The NFL Honors Ceremony has come and gone, and we are going to compare our preseason picks for these awards to what actually happened last night. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. And uh, if I if you guys didn't get it from me on our Tuesday episode, happy Super Bowl week. We are officially two days from the greatest day in the league uh, in the league calendar, which is Super Bowl Sunday. I understand some of us may not be thrilled by the matchup, but... The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. It's always a great time, and I'm very excited for it. But during this week, there's one football-related event that has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, which is the AP NFL Honors Ceremony, where they give out all the different awards, all the Rookie of the Year awards, the Defensive and Offensive Player of the Year awards, MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, and all that stuff. And what we do every year, me and CJ, is – During the preseason, we give our predictions on what we believe, who we believe is going to to bring home these awards. And then by the time the day after the ceremony goes by, like months later, we we compare our answers and see exactly how right and how wrong we were. This is always a fun one. Now, for reference, this episode, it was It's an Honor, episode 202. This episode aired on August 8th. It is now January 9th. Uh, Jesus, February 9th. So uh, quite some time. About, I believe that's seven months. Yeah. Math, sounds, yeah. math isn't mapping, but yeah. Yeah. Um, quite a while. So you ready to get started, CJ? Always, man. This is going to be a fun one. All right. We'll start off with Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, the winner of this award was Will Anderson Jr. He was the third overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Um, CJ, understand that you got this one correct? I did, yeah. I, I picked Will Anderson. Yeah. That was I, Listen, during, at the time, I remember I was explaining this pick. And I said, I understand the pick. I just wanted to give another one that is something that's different from the popular answer that you could make an argument for because it's not always the player who's projected. In fact, most of the time it's not the player who's projected to be the best one in that draft, best defensive player in that draft. I picked Christian Gonzalez and I will die on this hill. If he didn't tear his labrum, I think he might've brought home this award, but injuries do happen. You can't predict them. We don't have a crystal ball. So I think, I think I deserve to be off the hook here. Yeah, Adam, 
I I completely agree, and I happen to believe when you're predicting awards, you just you can't predict injuries. Of all things, you can't predict like if we were going to try to predict injuries, then then why would we even bother? You know? Yeah. And at this point, I I'm not going to give you any flack for it. And for the record, I also happen to share the same mindset. If he plays the entire season, he very well could have taken it home. I think he was already playing better than Witherspoon and. Uh, but yeah, Will Anderson, he already just had the stats and the star power and the Texans actually winning a playoff game to uh you know to like seal it for him. So yeah, I'm I'm not mad and I just I'm just glad I got it right. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. And I will say it did I did expect it to be closer with other players. Jalen Carter was another one who I thought might have might actually be winning it. De, uh Devin Witherspoon was another one. Him and Christian Gonzalez were compared very closely in the beginning of the year before Gonzalez got hurt. But both had really good seasons. And, I mean, even if even though they didn't bring home the, the award, very, very bright futures for all these young kids. Yeah. Um. All right. Next one. Offensive Rookie of the Year. This is – so the guy who won it was C.J. Stroud. And it's very hard to argue against Stroud here. Um, there was an argument made for Nakua, for Puka Nakua, because he, rightfully so, he quite literally had the best rookie year in wide receiver history. Um, the reason I side with C.J. Stroud is, is because it is very hard to be an elite quarterback as a rookie. And he flirted with that line all season long. In fact, you could prob- he would probably be there if he didn't miss a few games this season. He only threw for about, what, 23 touchdowns, 21? Something along those lines. I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, I know he had 26 total, which is good. So it's very hard to be a great quarterback this early in your career. Usually it takes a couple of years. The fact that Stroud really hit the ground running, especially given the roster that he had, um, the less than favorable targets that he was given, I think it works out. The offensive line was solid, but it was injured early on in the season. He had some things to overcome. So he deserved it. That being said, our preseason picks were way off. I picked Jackson Smith and Jigba. So uh, the year prop So here's here's the lore for me for the rookies of the year. In 2022, right before that season, I picked Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner to be the rookies of the year. I was correct. I swept the rookie of the year awards. Um, I went the same route this year with wide receivers. I thought Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best coming out of the draft. Clearly I was wrong, but I will say Jack, I will say Smith and Jigba was okay. He may be a good wide receiver one a year or so from now, but he wasn't close this year. He showed some promise, but he's not near the level of Metcalf and he's not at Tyler Lockett's level either. So as CJ said during that episode, He's wide receiver three right now. Um, and CJ, who did you pick? Uh, I picked Bijan Robinson. And for the record, can, can I at least get the consolation prize of saying that CJ Stroud is going to be the best quarterback in this draft? It's early yet, but I'll take my small wins. But I believe that Bijan could have got it. However, I don't know if you heard, he had an injury. An injury named Arthur Smith. Now, Arthur Smith, he, he's a real character, isn't he? 
and he was fired for, you know, you know, I'm I'm not going to like lay into it too hard. He's he was fired for being bad. Get me but, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this man, this man. I just, I mean, apparently the phrase "if it ain't broke, don't fix it" is foreign to him because he refuses to use his best players. It wasn't just Bijan. Drake London suffered. Kyle Pitts continues to suffer. So. Yeah, I feel like with a better coach, he probably could have. But yeah, it's still CJ Stroud. It's also kind of a quarterback award. Well, CJ, CJ, um, yo, he still rushed for nearly a thousand yards. Yeah, but he had over a thousand scrimmage yards. Yeah, but 4. only 4. 6 yards. Thanks, Arthur Smith. You won't use him in the red zone. Right, and he has the size to actually get into the end zone. He is, he is the complete back. He is the bell cow that every fantasy football owner dreams of. And Arthur Smith and they just wasted him away. Like they do Kyle Pitts. Like they have Drake London. I mean, I don't obviously uh, Desmond Ritter deserves some blame, but not enough. So that not enough so that he's this bad. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned how every fantasy owner dreams of it. And it's funny how when pressed on why they're not using the kid they spent, if I remember, the seventh overall pick on, seventh or eighth, I remember Arthur Smith said, oh, I don't care about your fantasy team. I care about winning. Well, with that record, you clearly don't, Arthur. And now, for those of you who don't know, he's now the offensive coordinator up in Pittsburgh. (laughs) Wow, Pittsburgh is just allergic to offense. I mean, wow. Yeah. I'll I'll say it is it's very difficult for a rookie of the year to be a quarterback. It's you don't see it that often. If it's I mean it happened with Justin Herbert, I believe. Herbert got it, yeah. It was yeah. Herbert over Justin Jefferson, which was a big thing. And, and then I I know Prescott the- got it a couple uh way back too. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm just saying though if you have a quarterback that performs even decently he's almost a shoe in to get it unless the person who beats him out you know being a skill position on offense is like breaking records that's like the only trump card you have to break a record doesn't matter if you're statistically better or not yeah i agree because an average quarterback will win it every time sure yeah because it's hard to be that good as a quarterback that early in your career yeah. whereas whereas if you're an elite wide receiver it's not that rare to see that from a wide receiver to for them to uh, have over a thousand receiving yards, have fourteen hundred. It's it's not that rare. We saw it from Justin Jefferson a couple of years ago, and he didn't get it. So it's just it's very hard because wide receivers are there's so many of them who are that good that when you're that good as a rookie, it's not as impressive. It's impressive, but the quarterback it's so much harder to be that good that early in your career. All right. So we're going to move on and we're going to get to defensive and offensive players of the year. So we're comparing as we did the rookies, our preseason picks that's next. This is the fumble Ruski podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Yeti and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros onto the offensive and defensive players of the year. We're going to lead off with defensive player of the year. The official pick, the official nomination was Miles Garrett. He won it over Micah Parsons, I believe was the closest. No, Micah Parsons was also an, a nominee. But it was also uh, it was T.J. Watt who was the runner-up. But Miles Garrett brings home the award. It was his first one. This is one that I got right. I picked Miles Garrett during the preseason. I figured he's had that caliber of season, but yeah. he is due for one where he just gets to that level and he gets he finally gets his flowers. Turned out to be right. So this actually was the only one I got right. Um, but this is, it just goes to show how, how none of us own a crystal ball and things that you believe could go one way in the preseason end up being a completely different direction in the regular season. But CJ, what was your pick again? I picked Micah Parsons and I was torn between him and Miles Garrett. But as Adam just mentioned, I do not, in fact, have a crystal ball. Now, Micah Parsons had a good season. I think he was like third place. But third place doesn't exactly make me right now, does it? And when I look at Parsons' season, you know, the Cowboys' defense as a whole was next level. But to be fair, he did have 64 tackles and 14 sacks. But just not really quite the numbers what Garrett was putting up. And uh, I am happy for Miles Garrett, though. He was going to be my second pick. And well, I am at least happy you got it. But wow. Miles Garrett really did have a season. And for all the Steelers fans that say, oh, my God, TJ Watt should have gotten it. it the, it's called Defensive Player of the Year, not Sack Leader. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot more to, to it. And the sacks usually get there, but not all the time. And I believe this isn't the only time where um, a play where TJ Watt has been uh, has not been defensive player of the year because somebody else who had less sacks got him. Right. I believe Aaron Donald got it a couple of years ago. I believe so. Yeah. Also, a lot of people have to consider voter fatigue, too. Right. There's that, too. People want something new. And TJ Watt, which is more respect to TJ Watt, by the way, if you're always a nominee. And people just vote against you just because they don't they want somebody else. That's more respect to him. I mean, yeah. do we think Miles Garrett's gonna win it again? He might, but we know TJ Watt's gonna be there next year. That's all. Yeah. I knew he was due for a year, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a nominee every single year. I think TJ Watt is a lot more equipped for it, and so is Nick Bosa, but he just had his year. All right, Offensive Player of the Year. The winner of this award was rightfully so Christian McCaffrey, a guy who now offensives that center around a running back, usually not the way to go. And if you want to argue that it wasn't because they also had had some elite pass catchers, you can say that. But I think the best offensive player on that team was Christian McCaffrey. And you could even make an argument he could have been league MVP if we if you could really if you really wanted to. 
Um, this guy was good. He was awesome. And he is a big part of why the 49ers are in the Super Bowl right now. That yeah. being said, my pick was Jamar Chase. And I'm pretty sure he barely broke 1,000 yards. That being said, he he barely played and still somehow made it over 1,000. Actually, no, that's Justin Jefferson. But I think Jeff, I think Jamar Chase had over 1,000 as well. But still, it's it just goes to show how hard it is to predict this award. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, for the record, had Justin Jefferson repeating. He got hurt. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He missed a bulk of time. I mean, he still had 68 catches, 1,074 yards, and five touchdowns. But when you miss that much time, it's just not going to work. That's really what I think it comes down to. Once again, another pick of ours that gets derailed by injury. Oh, and believe me, dear viewers, you will see that very soon. You know? <laughs> and I'll say this. Uh, Jamar Chase had 1,200. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are going to are going to be in the running almost every year because they are not only are they are they that explosive, but they're also they're also big parts of their offense. When Joe Burrow is looking for who's open, he's not looking at T. Higgins. He's not looking at um, uh, the other Boyd. guy who's Tyler Boyd, who's who was escaping me. They're not looking at they're not looking for them. They're awesome pass catchers. They're looking for Jamar Chase. They're not, and uh, Kirk Cousins isn't looking for Jordan Addison, although he had an, an incredible rookie year in, his, in itself. Oh, he did, yes. He's looking for Jamar. He's he's looking for Justin Jefferson. So those two kids, it just show, goes to show how great of a school LSU is with developing wide receivers, and to Might think they were on the same team with Joe. Yeah, yeah, and to think they were on the same team with Joe Burrow in 2019. That's just awesome. No wonder they won the national championship, and. Uh... For those of you who don't know, they have two pretty darn good receivers coming up in this draft, too. Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. Is the LSU Patriots, yeah. the new wide receiver, you? If the Patriots sure. don't get Marvin Harrison Jr. and take Malik Neighbors, I wouldn't be too upset about that either. Although he's supposed to go a lot lower than um, than where he is. So they would. I would prefer they trade back if they do that. Although most Patriots fans are going to be foaming at the mouth if they do that. Just because they're yeah. so fatigued from play, from the Patriots trading back in recent years, they you know I am. But it would be more equivalent to last year, where the Patriots traded back. They got Christian Gonzalez. Yes, they traded back where most Patriots fans were sneering, but they still got the player they wanted. It'd be the same thing with Malik Neighbors. You get him, yeah. You get the player you wanted, but you probably pissed off. Hundreds of thousands of Patriots fans in the in the process. If yeah. Not. Also, please bear in mind that we also need someone who can throw the ball, but we'll hold off on the draft talk for after the season. Oh, we'll and believe there. me, there will be draft talk. <laughs> All right. Um. So we could either jump right into the next couple picks, or we could go. Um, we're gonna move on. We're going to go to Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and MVP. Our final segment, that's next. You're you're listening to the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass 
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros, as always. And we've reached our final segment, which means we are on to Comeback Player of the Year. This is one where I had one that I was hoping would be wrong. And you, CJ, had a pretty solid pick for who you think should win it. We were both wrong, but... The comeback player of the year, someone I don't think either of us could have predicted. It was Joe Flacco. And I think you and I can both agree he deserved this. Yeah. We didn't see it coming. And I think that's something with comeback player of the year. It's just so hard to predict. There could be some player who's on their couch to start the season, who ends up going on a vicious run with the Browns and ends up taking this team, taking the team to the playoffs where they got the snot beat out of them. But they got there, which is incredible in itself. The guy hasn't been a full-time starter since 2017. Again, we were both off, but I ended up being the closest because DeMar Hamlin only lost by one vote. And the reason I do not believe DeMar Hamlin should have won this award, what he did was incredible to be able to come back from something that was life-threatening. That being said, it's not really a football story. It's more of something that happened off of the, well, it happened on the field, but the recovery happened off. And to be comeback player of the year, you need to be able to make contributions on the field as well. To be able to come back and be a great starter, like which is what he was last season when he played for the Bills, stepping in for Micah Parsons. He only played a few snaps. So that being said, if you want to make an argument for him being comeback player of the year, sure. I mean, that is that's still an incredible achievement that he was able to um that he was able to to come back from something that was life-threatening. I mean, a lot of us thought he was going to die. That being said, like I said, the recovery happened off the field. There weren't there wasn't enough on-field contributions for me to say that he should get this award. But CJ Give us a little bit about your preseason pick, because I liked that one. I chose Cooper Cup. And, well, you know, you know, he was her, he was come back, and I thought he was going to recapture the magic. And to be fair, to be brutally honest, he did have a good season, did he not? However, he was overshadowed by Puka Nakua. And Cup... He also missed some time this season as well, only 737 yards and five touchdowns. Still a good but, season. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but not comeback player of the year good. But at the end of the day, who could have seen Joe Flacco coming? A man that was literally on his couch and led the Browns to the playoffs because, despite the fact the entire team was basically a glorified hospital wing. And honestly, I agree with that. I was so worried that Demar Hamlin was going to get the the sympathy vote because here's the thing: it's called comeback player of the year. What exactly did he come back to? You know, there are only two things that we knew him for. One, he cost the Bills a game. I don't remember which one, where he was the twelfth man on the field. Remember that? I remember it. And then they did the uh, that boneheaded fake punt in the playoffs. Which is more on coaching, but still, he yeah. he was part of it. And and this is a regular season award. Don't forget. 
Yeah. He literally did nothing. And look, I'm sure Damar Hamlin's a nice guy, and we are beyond thrilled that he's alive. But the fact that people are saying he's robbed and people are getting up in arms about this, you have to remember, you have to come back to something. I would like everybody at home who's about to bite my head off for the stat to realize one thing. He, are we ready for this? Yes. Played, not started, played in five games and got, and here are his stats, two tackles. Two. Oof. If you are going to look me in the eye and tell me that's worthy enough, you know, to be the comeback player of the year, you are lying through your teeth. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope he gets better. I as as in like his playing quality. I, I do hope he gets better. Um just didn't do much. And he had a better year last year before he before this tragic thing happened to him. Like if the, if he put up those statistics that he did last year before he got before this thing happened to him this year, I would say sure, sure, those are starting level safety numbers. But he didn't. He hardly played this year, so that's kind of that's kind of an issue for me. All right. So yeah. All right. We're gonna move on to coach of the year. This is one we were both wrong, and the official, the official one was, um, Kevin Stefanski, and rightfully so, because they worked through four quarterbacks and still won eleven games. I, it, I still cannot fathom that that even happened. Uh, who was the name of the former XFL, uh, MVP? Who they had? I don't even remember his name. PJ Walker. PJ Walker, and then DTR. I, I'm sorry about the pronunciation. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. That yes, guy? Dorian Thompson Robinson. On top of that, there was uh, Joe Flacco, obviously, and uh, Mr. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Mr. Two hundred fifty million dollars for five years, all guaranteed. And other things off the field. Yeah. Oh, um, give me to it. Yeah. The the fact that this team went to the playoffs and had a decent seed, considering like all things considered, they also we haven't even mentioned the fact that they lost Nick Chubb for the year, who destroyed his knee. Yeah. So all of these things in mind, and they still won eleven games. That's pretty incredible. You lost to a good young stud in C.J. Stroud, but. Don't hang your heads on that. I mean, they, you still had a great year. Um, sometimes teams aren't built for the playoffs. You were able to win 11 regular season games with Walker, uh, P.J. Walker as your starting quarterback and Dorian Thompson-Robinson as another. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, you can't hate it, you know? Yeah. Because I was just going to say about Stefanski is that when you look at the injuries you went through and to still even make the playoffs, that's got to be coach of the year. No, I don't know how many other coaches could do what he did. Yeah. Uh, that being said, my pick was Sean Payton before the season started. I thought Sean Payton would step in to a roster that was pretty respectable with this Broncos team. And I thought coaching was the biggest issue. I thought 
Sean Payton would solve a lot of issues um, that existed with the, with this Broncos team. Turns out it was wrong. They started one and five right out of the gates. They did turn it around. So he had a better year than Nathaniel Hackett did the year prior, but you can't ignore the fact that they started one and five. You can't start that slow in the NFL. It's going to come back to bite you. And I hold this, I hold this standard for everyone who starts a season poorly. It was the same thing with Brian Flores. Everyone wants to bring that up, wants to bring up how he finished seasons, Brian Flores, but no one wants to acknowledge how he started those seasons. And yes, they were very good finishes to the years, but those starts were so bad that it not only cost them, it's not like it cost them playoff seeding. They weren't like, oh, we could have won a Super Bowl. You didn't make the playoffs a single year with Brian Flores. That's a problem. Same way it's a problem with the Broncos here and Sean Payton. You didn't make the playoffs. You had a great you had a great finish to the year, but it cost you your starting quarterback at the end of the year. And I think it's this you have to put some blame on this on the head coach here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And everyone's like, oh, but look at how they finished. Well, I have news for you. How you start can often dictate, you know, how your season goes. Yeah, cool. I remember like one time Brian Flores and the Dolphins end the season, what was it, like a six-game win streak? Yeah, that's cool. You missed the playoffs. Yep. I, it, it doesn't matter. How you finish shouldn't win you games. But as for me, my prediction was the man from Detroit himself, Dan Campbell. I think he came in like third. I will – I mean, it was an amazing season. They finally won the NFC North for the first time – in a long time and they won a playoff game for the first time since like the George HW Bush administration, you know, before our, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you made it to the NFC championship game and things were looking good before you choked on your own spit and let the Niners back into the game. But that's neither here nor there. What you did was incredible and you didn't get coach of the year Campbell, but, he, he came in third, I think, and we can definitely see why. Overall, I'm not mad, but like I said, what Stefanski was able to do is insane, and I don't really see any coach overcoming that. Yeah, I, w- I will say that um, he would have had a lot better of a shot to win this award if he didn't go for it three times for the two-point conversion in that Dallas game. Because it w- they would have tied it, and momentum might be on your side. Maybe in overtime you win. That being said, CeeDee Lamb was gashing you all game. But you still there are some times you just need to take the points, dude. Just take, just take the easy points. Take one step back before you take two steps forward. And I think at times, at times I know they, that that is the way Dan Campbell likes to play. He likes to be aggressive. There are times you need to restrain yourself. And I feel like he lived and died by that aggression, which is not a good mindset to have. Anything that you're living and dying by is not good. And I think the aggression got a little too much. I love the energy, but sometimes you need to show a little bit of restraint. And going for it four times, I know this is a regular season award. This was in the playoffs. Going for it how many times? Three, four times? 
and you missed on all of them where you could have gotten points that would have tied it, that's not good. And if you went for the points the first time you you put, could have potentially gotten a field goal, you could have squ- squashed out all of that momentum for the 49ers. Not to say they wouldn't have still won because the 49ers just caught fire, but you would have had a much better shot than what you got during that game in the conference championship. That being said, we can't blame anything um, because things happen in games. Poor, poor decisions happen. Um, officiating happens. There's a lot of th- there's a lot of factors that play into the to the um, the uh, ending to how games turn out. So, our last one, league MVP, Lamar Jackson took this one. He is the second. Uh, this is the second one he's won. He won it back in 2019. He was one vote an- away from being unanimous again. There was one voter who voted Josh Allen. And plus, um, wasn't he from like Buffalo or something? It was a Homer vote, I believe. It was something like that. I will say Josh Allen had a had a case. Not enough to be the only one <laughs> to have been the other vote. You it could have been Christian McCaffrey, too. And yeah. uh if Tyreek Hill got 2,000 yards, it would have been a travesty if he didn't get it. Oh, absolutely, but he didn't. Do you want to elaborate on your pick? Yeah, my pick. Well, should I explain the entire lore behind it or no? All right. So my pick was also Adam's pick. And we picked Joe Burrow, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, looking at it. This is where I walk away. Yeah. Good luck. Don't fall in. Now, the thing with Joe Burrow, it's pretty simple. Look at who he was playing with. He had a revamped O-line, a defense that was improving, a, a scary three-headed monster wide receiver that featured Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, and a top-10 running back in Joe Mixon. And with a Steelers team that's offensively challenged, a Browns team that has Deshaun Watson, a.k.a. the $250 million ball and chain, and you know, on that horrible albatross deal and then there's the ravens who were always a threat but always seemed injury prone the the stars aligned and then what happens what happens you may ask well not even week one and joe burrow gets hurt and and here's truly what i believe happened i could be wrong they rushed him back onto the field in week one he did not look the same. And then just as he's starting to regain his composure, I think some ligament or whatever unfortunately snaps in his thumb and he's done. But when you look at the roster and you look at everything, that how he plays, I mean, it would make sense. And I think if he stayed healthy, and he probably gets it. But then again, hats off to Lamar for recapturing some of that magic that happened in 2019. But... Joe Burrow, I mean, once again, if we could predict injuries, then why would we even do this at all? Right. And another part is that um, just the fact that he kind of eased his way back into the MVP conversation during that spin where he was starting to get healthy, it just shows how incredible of a player Joe Burrow is. That he was, you know, he had a tough start to the year, but he started to figure it out. But then that wrist injury happened. And that's something that you really can't ignore, by the way. 
And, you know, I'm going to hold I'm going to hold Joe Burrow to the same standard that we hold Lamar Jackson, who always gets hurt. Right? Yeah. Because Joe Burrow's been getting hurt too. This is his third injury. He tore his ACL back in during his rookie year in 2020. In 2020, uh, this year he had two injuries. There was his calf, which started to get better until he had the wrist injury. So we kind of can't ignore that now. Now Joe Burrow's also injury prone. And also, this goes back to one of my points from a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Patrick Mahomes' competition. Joe Burrow is the closest guy who's been able to compete with Patrick Mahomes, not only during the regular season, but during the postseason. He's the only one who's been able to beat him. At least the only one left in the league. I was going to say, yeah. Um, The fact that he keeps getting hurt, I'm kind of worried about us having another Andrew Luck Colts situation where they tr- where they're not able to surround him with enough protection on that offensive line and his injury is depleted by injuries. I mean, this is an incredible quarterback just like Andrew Luck was. He had a lot showed a lot of promise, won some good postseason games, but then eventually had to cede his career to injuries. He didn't want to end he didn't want his career to end up, you know, being a cripple once he was retired. And that's that sucks. Especially since this guy may be the only one who can compete with Patrick Mahomes and win. At least the only one left in the league. Uh, That's a little, that's a little frightening because this should be a down year for the chiefs, but they're, but all of the elite quarterbacks in this league, every single one of them, they are so good during the regular season. Why are they a shell of themselves during the postseason? I don't want to hear it all this. Well, that's because Patrick Mahomes is that much better. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are good enough so that they can at least hold their own. They've shown that during the postseason. They have several wins against them during the regular season. The postseason, it's nothing. There's nothing. So that's a bit of a problem. And I think the issue is narratives. I don't think narratives are forming. I think narratives have been confirmed. Lamar Jackson doesn't seem like a guy who can get it done in the postseason. And that actually infuriates me because I was rooting for him. I want him to break that narrative. But that was just heartbreaking watching that game. And then there's Josh Allen, who, as I mean, look, it's no secret that I greatly prefer Lamar Jackson to Josh Allen. But I mean, for all the crap Lamar gets, once the postseason rolls around, Josh Allen becomes an unserious quarterback. I mean, ever since 13 seconds happened, it's just never been the same. But Bills fans will thump their chest, drink their alcohol, jump through a table, and say, but but we beat him in the regular season. Yeah, that's nice. Let me know how many Super Bowls that gets you. Yeah, in the close postseason games. Don't forget that. Two of the oh, three, oh, post, two, yeah, two of the three postseason close. games were close. So therefore, that means you deserve some sort of consolation trophy or something. Yeah, it's true. You know, we all know the four ways an NFL game can end: win, loss, tie, but really, really close. Good job, Buffalo. Really close. So therefore, you should have won for some reason. Um, I will say the only reason I I prefer Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson is just simply on play style. Lamar Jet Lamar kind of plays in a run first style where his best attribute to his it's still kind of it. His best attribute to his game is his running. 
his rushing ability, which is unbelievable. Um, his passing ability is really good, but not good enough so that if a team forces you to throw, that you can do it. I mean, this is what this is what happened during the postseason in the AFC Championship. The Chiefs played a pretty good run defense. On top of that, the um, they were the they had the the Ravens playing from behind. And once Lamar had to throw and try to throw it more, we were all yelling at the TV for, to have him run it, which is besides the point. Yeah. The fact that he was trying to throw it at all and couldn't do it enough, that is a red flag. Everyone is saying this guy could be like Russell Wilson. He morphs into a pocket passer. Not if you can't do it. So that's a bit of an issue there. But we are kind of getting off topic. That is the last of our scheduled content you have anything else uh no nothing really just uh let's just hope for a good super bowl no matter what absolutely i'm just rooting for it to be a good game and the chiefs to lose i Uh, just hope both sides have fun maybe the real super bowl was the friends we made along the way you don't need to say that you don't need to say that let's (laughs) all right (laughs) guys make sure you tune into our super bowl special it'll be coming out at 8 30 p.m eastern time tomorrow And this will be lots of prop bets, some game foods, some favorite Super Bowl memories, all of that kind of stuff. This is going to be a fun episode for you guys. Our fourth annual Super Bowl special coming out tomorrow. That that is going to be next. But without further ado, that is going to do us for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have all our episodes available on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our episodes on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast and at Fumble, and our TikTok at FumbleRooski uh, Fumble pod to keep up with our podcast and latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.